Welcome to the Physician Negotiator Podcast, where no decision is left to chance. With your host, Doc of All Trades. Today on our show, we have Leanne O'Neill. Leanne is an attorney who received her JD from Indiana University. Leanne has a website and practice called Lorith O'Neill, and she can be found at lorithoneill.com. She specializes in helping physicians find the best possible job and negotiate contracts. She also has invented a concept known as the physician agent. A physician agent basically is similar to a sports agent. Your job is to become the best possible physician that you can be. You do not necessarily have the time or the energy to focus on the financial and legal aspects of your job. So you hire an agent to help represent you in those matters, thereby freeing you up to be the best clinician. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Leanne. Hi, Leanne. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, great. Now, currently, Leanne, where, where do you live? I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, so that, and that's where, you, that's where you, your main practice is at, right? Yes. Great. Okay, uh, briefly, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I um, finished law school in 2006, and right out of law school, started with a medium-sized law firm um, that had a really um, robust healthcare group. And so I spent a lot of my time working um, both for healthcare providers as well as individual regulatory clients um, under Medicare and Medicaid rules, also in regulations that apply to physicians and hospitals. And then um, also worked a lot for physicians um, as they're looking at their employment agreements. And so after being with that firm for a while, my, my husband was actually in his surgical residency at that time. And once he was finished with that and started looking for jobs of his own, um, I was kind of watching as he was sort of struggling through that process and realized that the full job search process and certainly, you know, doing a legal review of contracts and making sure that everything is as it should be is not something that a physician can do on his or her own. Certainly, I worked for physicians in the past, but decided that I wanted to focus my work to help physicians, specifically job search and contract negotiation phase of their careers. So when you were in law school, did you ever, did did you automatically want to go into healthcare? Was that kind of when you were in law school itself, was that what you were specializing in? Yes, I did. I actually, um, I always say that I think in another life, I secretly want to be a doctor, but don't feel (laughs) like I probably could pass the requisite chemistry courses. And so it always kind of was my goal to um, help healthcare providers in a meaningful other way, since I couldn't, you know, necessarily, I didn't feel like that was my path to be one my myself. So I wanted to get into healthcare law to support healthcare providers. And so it kind of took a while to morph into what it is today. But now um, I have my company, Loth O'Neill Physician Agency, and we exclusively work for physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants to help them through the job search and contract negotiation process. Right. And you did the next best thing. You married a physician. So you guys are That's like the right. power couple, physician and... Oh my lawyer. God. That's nice. <laughs> well, so, you know, short of being able to marry a lawyer, what's the next best thing a physician can do to kind of get his or her contract off, uh, off to the right start from the get-go? 
Whenever I talk to a group, we offer educational sessions a lot of times where we talk to groups of physicians about this process. And I always say that it's important to find a lawyer who specializes in this type of work. So of course, lots of people have kind of like their uncle or cousin who's a lawyer and dabbles in this or that and can kind of look over their contract. But I really stress that when you are looking for someone to check out your employment contract or a partnership agreement, if you're at that stage and with a private group, um, it's important to find someone who specializes in that type of physician employment work because there are very specific provisions in each contract that apply specifically that you know, you don't want to miss. And there are market standards and market norms of what physicians are offered today. And it's to your benefit to have a lawyer working for you who knows what those are. And, you know, most physicians, I think, feel like if they were to even consider asking an employer and or a, a partnership to look over the contract with a lawyer and to make changes, it almost seems like the lawyer, the uh, physician would be afraid because they would don't want to offend that potential employer. Yes. And we actually hear that all the time. That's a concern that a lot of clients have when they come to us. It's kind of, you know, they're worried that it might come off badly if they, um, you know, if they're potential employer knows that they've engaged a lawyer. And so the thing I always like to talk to clients about though, is that especially when you're coming out of training, your relationship with your employer up to that point has been very much of a mentor mentee type relationship versus once you're out of training, it's more of a traditional employer employee model. And the employer is not able to look out for your own best for your best interests as well as their own best interests. And a lawyer drafted that contract for that employer. Right. And that means that they kind of have the upper hand when it at least when it starts off. And so, you know, they're protecting their best interests and you owe it to yourself family to protect your best interests as well. And so, you know, Actually, a lot of employers, I feel like, are becoming more sophisticated about this as well. And oftentimes we hear, you'll even find a provision in a contract that specifies that you've been given the opportunity to consult your own legal counsel. A lot of employers are really interested in entering a relationship that's been very well thought out and considered, and they do not want you to move ahead and sign the contract if they don't feel like you've had your fair review with your own legal counsel. So that, that would be kind of a warning sign, right? So if you have a, a, a group uh, or a private practice that comes to you and says, hey, well, we, we, we voted, you got the job, so are you going to join us? Right. Um, and by the way, you got two days to review the contract and get right. back to us. Yeah. So would you say that's a warning sign? Absolutely. And that's another thing we hear a fair amount is um, a client will call us and say, okay, but you know, how fast can you guys do this? Because they told me the deadline is Friday. And if I don't sign the contract, then they're going to offer it to someone else. Well, first of all, that would definitely be a red flag to me. Any employer that's trying to pressure you into accepting a job in that, you know, they're being a bit disingenuous about that. Also, most employers, even if they do have a deadline, a lot of times it's sort of an arbitrary deadline that was set just by way of default. Um, When they draft their legal documents, they have an expiration date. Right. And it's not something that's set in stone. So, I mean, all the time we encourage clients and this works successfully for them to, you know, contact the employer and say, Hey, really just want to make sure I'm giving due consideration to this prospect. I'm really excited about this job, but I need, you know, another week or so to go through this with my own attorney and make sure that I understand it fully. And employers are usually very gracious about extending those deadlines with no problem. 
So, you know, what's happening right now in the medical community, in the medical field, is more and more physicians are becoming, quote unquote, W-2 employees of, and of mm-hmm. hospitals or of supergroups. And so right. do you find it's happening more often, like the pressure tactics with smaller private practices or these more or hospitals or the bigger groups? You know, I haven't noticed it to be more one way or another necessarily, um, but certainly when you're dealing with a larger hospital system or one of the super group type of employers, there is, you know, it's more likely that they would have sort of an automated mechanism for asking for a returned contract, you know, on a tighter time frame. And I just think that's more symptomatic of having kind of a very process-oriented um, human resources division than their intention to be to kind of bully someone into signing something. So honestly, I've never really run into the scenario where a client called back an employer and asked for additional time and they said, never mind, we're taking, we're withdrawing the offer or no, you don't have any more time. We need it, you know, hard deadline by X day. Certainly that's kind of a judgment call you'll come upon if you know that the position that you're interviewing for and you have an offer for, if they have kind of a line of candidates, you know, ready to act, then they may not be bluffing. If they have a dire need to fill a position, then, you know, they may require a quicker turnaround time just because they can and they have someone else right behind you ready to sign the contract. But most of the time when physicians are taking a job, it's such a particular need that's being filled. It's usually happening very far out in advance, um, months, sometimes more than a year. So it's not typical that it's, you know, a serious deadline that has to be met immediately. Okay. Do you ever find, is it easier to deal with the bigger groups or the smaller groups? Do you find there's a difference between the two in general? You know, it's interesting because there, sometimes there are, but I wouldn't say that it's kind of a blanket difference. I wouldn't generalize it. Um, But some of the differences you notice just hospital systems do tend to be more, since they're more business minded, um, they seem to be more sophisticated from a legal standpoint. And so they have their own legal division, they have a more, it's more of a standard expectation that legal would be consulted on all aspects of a contract being signed. And so in those situations, particularly, they do encourage the candidates to go and have their own lawyer look at the contract. And they're not at all, you know, offended or scared off by the prospect of being contacted by a lawyer. Whereas on the private group side, and I've only really seen this one time is where you kind of get into the good old boys situations where, you know, it's a partnership of five physicians that are in the latter part of their careers and they themselves never sign contracts and they go to bring in the new young physician and the idea of a contract at all is sort of, you know, laughable to them. It just seems like sort of disrespectful. And then in that case, you kind of will sometimes have a little bit of a hesitancy on their part to involve the lawyers, but that's very, very atypical. Okay. Now, now when you're, uh, you were, you negotiated your husband's contract, right? Yeah. Did you run into any landmines when you were doing that? I think you and I talked about it before, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember if we discussed nothing. There was nothing that was a landmine in the contracts that he's ever signed, um, thankfully. Um, But, you know, we do come up with particular aspects of agreement that are concerning. Um, And really, one that we take away from doing this work for physicians is just making sure that we have a very 
thorough process. Like for instance, one of the things that we found uh, when we do work for positions is if you have revisions made to contracts, you get the revised version back and suddenly a contract that you wanted left alone was now on the contract. And if you hadn't reviewed the new version, you might not know that. Mm. So it's important to obviously be very thorough when you are doing the work and making sure that everything is in place, especially when you go to sign the final version so that it is, you know, and then remained what you thought it was. We, I know we haven't spoken about the money in terms of the contract yet. What's, what's the, yeah. if you were to say there's the one, the most important aspect of a contract, what would it be? Would it still be the non-compete or would it be something else? You mean other than the compensation also? Well, so, so would you say the compensation would then be the most important? aspect? I mean, it's kind of hard to say that it's not up there because that's, you know, you're the way you're making a living, of course. And so another reason that it's really important is because kind of along the same lines of finding distrust or unhappiness by way of comparing notes with other employees, you know, I've seen clients that will come to me and they'll say, you know, I just found out that this job I, you know, I took when I got out of training, you know, they're paying, they're way underpaying me compared to what someone who does the exact same thing is getting paid down the road. Right. And that breeds all sorts of unhappiness and resentment of the employer. And so, um, let alone, you know, just the feeling that you could have been doing better all these years. And so, um, not that, what the number amount is the end all be all, but knowing that it's fair as compared to market standards is, you know, hugely important for many reasons. Um, and so one, you know, one common misconception or I think something that people often get wrapped up in, especially when they're entering their first job out of training is looking at what a base salary would be. And for certain specialties, the base salary will become, you know, very quickly irrelevant once they are, you know, kind of ramped up and providing services on a full-time basis and producing, you know, the median level of um, services. And at that point, a lot of contracts will roll you onto a production model of compensation. And so that's where... I always recommend a lot of focus be given to make sure that the productivity model is also in line with what market standards, you know, other employers in the area are offering, because that will end up being your main mode of compensation once you are ramped up and offering, you know, a full, you know, full week's worth of services. And and generally speaking, how do you uh, determine that calculation? We look at MGMA data. Um, MGMA is the Medical Group Management Association, and they put out a survey every year that is based on data they collect from every different subspecialty of physicians. And it'll show you things like total compensation, what um, compensation to collections ratio is, um, which is pertinent if you're in a private group, what compensation per WRVU rates are. They'll break it down by practice or employer type, by geographic region of the country. And so we like to look at that data. And, you know, my goal is always to be able to say, okay, yes, we've looked at the compensation model they're offering you. And if you produce the median amount of services as compared to everybody else in your region of the country or the nation, you are capable of earning at the end of the day under this contract, the median total compensation that's being earned by everybody else. 
So that's just a good benchmark to use. So generally speaking, and for, for people who don't know what the MGMA is, so like you said, it's a database mm-hmm. of, of of contributed data from different practices all over the country, and they break it down mm-hmm. into percentile, right? And so you mentioned the word median. And so the median percentile yes. would be the number of people who make a certain salary based upon production, um, based upon their mm-hmm. specialty, et cetera. And then they can fall either into the 25th percentile or the 70th percentile, 75th percentile or the mm-hmm. 90th percentile. So generally speaking, yeah. do, you, do you feel like the median, um, a median uh, salary for a particular specialty is a fair goal to shoot for? Or do you, do you shoot above that? What do you, what do you typically advise on, in it's, that kind of situation? The median is what we typically shoot for. And when you're talking about someone who's in year one and two out of training, that might not be necessarily attainable because it is, it, it is so time, it does take a good amount of time to build a practice depending on your specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is totally specialty dependent. So it really depends, but it's good to at least, I mean, the goal is to at least see if you're producing at the level whether it be the 25th percentile or the median or the 70th percentile, then you should be able to see that under this contract you've been offered, you would also be compensated at that level. So the thing to look out for is, let's say you're producing at the 75th percentile in WRVUs that you produce, but at the end of the day, you're only going to get paid the 25th percentile. There we have a problem. Right. And so that's what MGMA is really good at. It shows what, what different, uh, like for example, ASA units versus RVUs, what those, what what a median person would produce, and so you're saying if there's yeah. a disalignment between what you do and then what you earn, there's a huge problem there. But um, right, do contracts typically say that? Well, you know, we'll pay you, you know, X number of dollars for X number of rev- revenue based upon the MGMA. Would they actually use that type of language? Sometimes they do specifically say we'll pay the median MGMA rate per WRVU in the that most the year you know that year's most current survey sometimes it's that reliant on um, the MGMA data other times we'll just publish the number you know the number will be put in the contract and it is based on sometimes blended review of different surveys the MGMA survey and others that are specific to certain specialties so it really just is you know variable between specialty and employer um, but MGMA, I have found, is the most widely used. And and that's what you would recommend any physician have that in their contract then, or not necessarily? Um, well, I don't think that it has to necessarily reference the MGMA, but it should be structured so that you are capable of earning in those median ranges. And uh, in, in terms of MGMA data, so my other, my other understanding about it is not anybody can have access to it. The, the data itself is very expensive. Right. So I think yes. it's like, what, $1,600 just for a, an annual book or something like that? It's, I'm, I'm not sure. We pay a much higher fee for a license to use it. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, but even if you, I think that if you are a healthcare provider, let's say you're a family practitioner and you want to hire a new doctor and you would want to look at the MGMA data, anyone to go out and buy it. I mean, I think the minimum you pay is like a thousand dollars in any form of it. So yeah, oftentimes you can find lawyers or consultants of various types to, you know, have already purchased the data and obviously can pass that along to their clients. And the advantage of somebody like you, you actually know what the data means, which actually is probably even more important, right? Right, right. And we're able to sort of, you know, look at the different 
pieces of the data and relate it specifically to your contract. If you're looking at a table of data, it doesn't really mean much until you're able to compare it to the compensation model you've been offered, of course. So yes, we are able to, you know, easily relate the two. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, in terms yeah. of, so, so let's say we have our contract down, we're, we're totally, you know, in agreement with the contract. You looked at it, you signed mm-hmm. off on it. You're happy. The physician's happy. The employer's happy. And then two years down the road, something happens and we need to renegotiate. And mm-hmm. do you, you maintain the relationship with, with physicians typically during that renegotiation. And it could be maybe a problem that you have with a, your employer or a colleague, or maybe you find out somebody down the road makes a lot more money than you. Mm-hmm. You, you could basically then initiate that contract renegotiation. Yes. And it'll depend on the terms will be specific in your contract. So um, what we most commonly see is for a first time contract, we'll say that the contract is for a period of two years and that it will automatically renew for one year period after the the first term is over. So in other words, it's a two year contract at the end of the second year it's going to auto renew for another year. And so you have to be careful what the renewal provisions say. A lot of times it'll say that it will automatically renew if neither party gives notice of their intent not to renew within 60 days before the expiration date. So if you're unhappy and you're coming up on the end of your second year and you need to tell them within 60 days if you intend to not let it automatically renew then you need to give that notice and that will force the renegotiation of the contract. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably, that's incredibly important. And usually that's to the physician's mm-hmm. benefit. Have you ever seen a situation mm-hmm. where it's been to the employer's benefit where they've actually had to give less, less, less money to the physician as a result of changes in markets, market forces, et cetera? There are a lot of times we'll see contracts that have a provision that say if like overall Medicare reimbursement drops more than a certain percent, then we can unilaterally amend your compensation. Wow. And so in those instances, it becomes hugely important to make sure that those other provisions of the contract that are impacted at termination or that are triggered by termination don't negatively impact you. Like for instance, the non-compete, if you get a pay cut, because of a reimbursement change that happened at the government level and over which you have zero control, you're going to take a giant pay cut now because your employer was able to unilaterally amend your compensation. You're like, you know, I'm going to get out of here and go find a different job where I can be paid more or at the level I was being paid before. So it's not your fault that you had to terminate the contract for that reason. So we want to make sure that the non-compete's not going to apply in that instance of termination. Right. So it's things like that. And that's getting really into the weeds kind of, but, and it's always very taboo for folks to think about situations like that. You know, you're like coming out of training. You're so excited to start your first job. The last thing you want to do is talk to your employer about how are we going to deal with the, you know, the termination of this contract, you know, when we're just now getting started, but those are kind of the, you know, doomsday scenarios that we, you know, lawyers are here to help you plan for and to avoid, you know, the worst case scenario. And I think you said it too, at one point that that's why you really don't want to negotiate your contract with your employer so that you can save face. Right. If you negotiate the right. contract as, as my attorney, therefore mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're the one who's dealing with the terms and it doesn't harm the relationship. And you've, you, you right. find it. Exactly. Right. Yes. Huh. Okay. 
Excellent. And I mean, and not only does it remove you from having to be, you know, the person who's asking what might feel like these awkward questions, right? Because it's at that point, it's kind of personal. If I'm doing it or a lawyer you've hired is doing it for you, it's purely technical and it's just business. And beyond that, you know, we can say it's not because I don't want this client to get, you know, the raw end of a deal here. It's because I do this all the time and no one else's contract has that in it. So why are you guys trying to have your employees sign a provision like this? Exactly. This isn't typical. So, you know, we can kind of look out for positions for our clients based on our knowledge that's very specific to what's going on in the market in general. And, you know, Leanne, and the whole basis for our conversation was that the whole, you know, you, you've created this concept known as the physician agent. And so like uh-huh. sports agents, you know, you yeah. can always look after your your client. And in this case, it would be a physician right. as opposed to sports agent mm-hmm. such that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to kind of go at this on your own. And I, I just came back from a conference where I had a lot of burnt out physicians who were mm-hmm. in the process of quitting medicine entirely because, you know, for one mm. reason or another, yeah. maybe they were overburdened by their workload. Maybe they you know, they had a falling out with a colleague and or a practice. And so their solution is, well, I'm just going to get out of medicine altogether. But I kind of feel like if they had been protected in the first place, um, had they had good counsel, maybe they could have either A, avoided the situation or B, come up with a better situation such that they wouldn't get to the point of, now I just want to quit medicine because it's not working out for me. Right, exactly. And you know, One of the things that I think physicians run into a lot is that they feel, they sometimes get into situations where they end up feeling like they were taken advantage of and like they didn't have a fair crack at the negotiation process on the front end. So they come out kind of disgruntled, you know, after they've been with a particular employer for a certain amount of time and they feel like, you know, it wasn't a fair relationship to begin with. But also... Physicians are good at taking care of their patients. That's what they went to school for. That's what they've trained for years and years for. And that's what's in their heart is to care for their patients. It's not necessarily first nature to physicians to be honing in on particular provisions of a contract or looking out for themselves at all. I mean, that's they're in the business of looking out for other people, for their patients. And so they're not necessarily good at sort of thinking tactically about how to avoid being in that situation where they feel taken advantage of. So for instance, one of the things I would tell a physician, you know, any of my clients who I, you know, I operate in this physician agent role, like you said, you know, like a sports, like an NFL player has their own sports agent, someone who's looking out for them. If you're unhappy in your job, you need to go out and interview for a different job. Even if you really don't think you'll ever move and take a different job, you need to know what's out there and you need to know the ways in which different opportunities could be a better fit for you or how your current opportunity actually ends up being better than you thought it was as compared to this other one you just interviewed for. One of the, the worst things that I see, you know, when clients come to me, this happens tends to happen like in March, April of every year, we'll have clients call and they're like totally freaking out because they have to sign this contract and they don't really want to take this job, but they have to because they didn't, you know, get a job offer until now. You know, the timing has to be right and it has to be well in advance of when you need to start getting that paycheck. And putting yourself out there and having multiple interviews is the only way for you to A, see all the different types of practices that are out there and what would be a good fit for you. B, see what the market's truly offering you. So I can't, you know, recommend enough that physicians do 
a very detailed in-depth and it's kind of exhausting a job search to get out there and see what's available and don't get stuck in the point where you feel like you have to stay at your current job or you have to take the first job that comes your way because there is a lot of opportunity out there for, for physicians. And if you approach it in the right manner, you know, you're going to have a better result long-term. And you know, it's funny. That's it's funny. You say that because that's how residency works right out of medical school. You're going to apply mm-hmm. to as many residency spots to maximize your chances right. of a, getting matched and mm-hmm. B getting the right match, the right fit. Right. So, right. so this has been the most funny uh, and most interesting time in my life because I'm, I'm mid-career, I'd say, and I'm going through yeah. my mid-career crisis. And so uh-huh. you know, not consciously, I've, I've followed your advice exactly in that I was kind of feeling unhappy with my current position. Um, I'm uh-huh. very well established. I'm very, you know, as you become a, a, a mature physician, you become decorated, you earn the trust of your colleagues, of surgeons, of you right. know, various people. And then you're, you're willing to basically say, well, I'm burnt. I'm going to walk away from this, not realizing Walking away from it, you just think about the new grad, like you had said, it takes some time to even get to the point where they're going to make to the, the median um, salary. Mm-hmm. And when you mm-hmm. walk away from it, it's not like you can just go back and get it. So what I right. did was uh, I, I was just on the phone with a, a friend of mine and he says, oh, yeah, we're hiring at my job. You should come check it out. So mm-hmm. I, I go and I interview and I do a mm-hmm. two day interview with them and I'm talking to them and kind of getting a sense of how they practice medicine you know, what's, what's their, is it a just fair place? What kind of money they make? And as it turns out, my current practice is probably slightly better than mm-hmm. their practice. But granted, you know, I tested out the marketplace. I saw what was right. out there and I'm like, well, you know, I could move, but then I'm going to have to, you know, establish relationships with people all over again. I'm going to have to, you know, earn partnership again. I mean, it just takes right. one or two guys to not accept you as a partner and then you don't get in the group. And then right. all for what Be- you, you might, you might've been better off just staying where you're at, but at least now right. I did the litmus test. And now I know that what's out there is not necessarily better than what I have. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, even to take it one step further, if you had, you know, found certain things looked better to you about the potential new opportunity, you could bring that back when you come to negotiate your existing contract and say, look, you know, here's this other opportunity. This is better. You know, I'd like to stay here because I have, you know, I've, I'm, you know, established here. I have good relationships here. But you know, it's kind of hard for me to ignore that this other opportunity is offering X, Y, and Z that you guys don't offer, and right. you see what you can get them to do there. And so for me, that's a little nerve wracking. I'm a little bit nervous about yeah. doing that uh, because mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, they're still your employer, and you don't want to push it too far such that I lose social mm-hmm. credit. Uh, but at the, mm-hmm. at the same time, you're right. Obviously, I, 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 I took the steps to go look for another job and interview. So clearly, I'm not happy, right? So I, right. Think, I think you're absolutely right. You have to leverage that. You have to say, hey, you know, what are the steps that I can take in order to make my current situation happy by leveraging another interview process and seeing what's out there? And going back to my employer and saying, hey, this is really what I need to make me happy. Or if not, I can always go to this uh, other job and make it work. So either way, you have the key is to give yourself as many options as possible. Let's go and wrap this up now. You, uh, you like you said, you practice in Indiana. And I think you and I mentioned that you could could still potentially um, represent a physician anywhere in the country so long as 
they you have a you said you have an agreement with somebody in the, your in their current state, right? We actually work. Yeah, we work with. Um, we have co-counsel relationships with, with lawyers all over the country. Right, so right, we right. literally provide services for clients taking jobs in every different state. I mean, I mean, literally, I can't think of a state we haven't worked for somebody. So we always consult our um, co-counsel that are local um, to make sure that we've covered any state-specific issues. Typically, I mean, ninety-eight percent of contracts are general and they're not tied to state law concerns. Um, but of course we have to make sure we've covered all state specific bases. So we do always consult with someone in that state and that we do that. It's no additional expense to our clients. That's something we've established with our co-counsel relationships. So we are able to serve clients in all different states. And we do the job search service for our clients also. Some of them come to us and say, I don't know where I want to work exactly. I just know I want to have this type of job, I want it to be in a city with at least this many people and really good hiking trails. And please tell me everywhere you think would be a good fit. And we do that service for people too. Yeah, I forgot you did that. Yeah, so that would be great. So that if you wanted to say target a city, uh, you know, Indianapolis, you could then mm-hmm. you would then basically call every hospital or every practice. Yeah, and we scout for them. Yes. We, I mean, we even do it like on a large scale. I mean, right now, I'm, you know, looking for a client who wants to join a private practice where we'll have potential to be a partner one day and hopefully have ancillary income. So we're identifying literally like in every state, all of the practices that we think meet those criteria and wow. put, find all the contact information. And we email for the client to, you know, so they don't have to go through kind of the you know, grunt work for lack of a better phrase of, you know, drafting 80 emails and attaching their cover letter and CV. So we do all of that work for our clients also. Especially when you're in your fellowship and or residency and you're trying to practice for your boards, right? Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, yeah, to put yourself in a position where you feel confident that you have literally left no stone unturned, that you've looked at every feasible opportunity that's out there for you that's where, you know, we come in and do so much research and legwork and you, we want you to go to interview as many places as you can so that when you sign on the dotted line, you feel like, yep, I checked out everywhere conceivable and this is the best fit for me. That's awesome. You know, even today I have so many friends who don't use attorneys that they just deal with internal battles Mm -hmm. in their practices, legal battles, and, and they never see counsel. And I'm like, what are you doing? I right. don't comprehend that. So, uh, right. great. Well, yeah, anyway, I mean, good. just always remember the employer has their lawyer. Exactly. <laughs> sure, looking out for them. There's lawyers, no reason why plural. Yes, multiple lawyers, like an entire firm of them. And there's no reason why someone as highly educated and trained and specialized as any position is, should not have their own legal counsel. Especially, especially, I like your law firm because you guys actually, this is what you focus on above all else, it looks like. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, where's, yep. the, where's the best Absolutely. way to get a hold of you? How should we, how should we reach you? I'm going to put it in the, note, in the uh, show notes as well, but uh, oh, what's thanks. the best way to get a so, hold of you? Our law firm or our position agency is lawthoneil.com. That's L-A-U-T-H-O-N-E-I-L-L.com. Um it's Law O'Neill Physician Agency. If you go to that website, you'll be able to find um, easily my phone number and email address, and we um, are available anytime. Outstanding. 
Well, hey, that was great talking to you. It's kind of weird how all you this, as well. I mean, it's so coincidental how life, you know, intercedes. Yeah. And maybe subconsciously right. I was seeking you out because I was seeking for another <laughs> employer, you know. It's so funny. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah. I, so I mean, says, yep. The student will the, the the student will always find the teacher. I think that's how the expression goes, something like that. Yes. When when I they're mean, ready, well, yeah. When they're ready, the student will find the teacher. Right, right. That's too funny. No, I'm so glad that you found us and that um, we're able to have this conversation. I hope that it helps others, you know, who are in the same position or beginning to look at jobs, um, you know, to be very diligent and you know thorough. Oh, absolutely. And even in mid-career, you know, anybody goes through a mid-career, right. uh, mid-career crisis like me, I mean, this, the, the amount of information, yes. that information is oh. valuable. And, uh, right. and uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, certainly I'm going to let as many people I know uh, who, who are struggling to reach out to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. We would be very, very happy to help. Excellent. Hey, it was a pleasure talking to you. And I, I think we'll be talking to you much, as uh, well. I, I hope yes. hopefully we can talk again soon. No, well, thank you so much for having me. Great. And uh, again, it was great talking to you. We'll talk to you later. You too. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. If you would like to learn more about Leanne and or her concept of physician agent, head over to her website at laurathoneal.com or head over to my website at thephysiciannegotiator.com forward slash EP-07. That's thephysiciannegotiator.com EP-07. There you'll find show notes and links to Leanne and her website. Uh, If you have any other questions for me or the podcast, if there's something in particular you'd like to hear from Leanne or something, a topic you would like for me to discuss on the podcast, please leave it in my show notes um, or during the website itself, you can leave comments. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Physician Negotiator podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit thephysiciannegotiator.com.